Hey, what's going on, Internet? This is Andrew with Ancient Ways for Modern Days. want to take a moment to say thank you for listening and participating in all the great content that we put out. Now, it being August, Mike and myself, we are on vacation, we are doing some traveling, but we wanted to make sure that you still had great content to point you to the Lord. So, what we have done is that we looked through our library of podcasts, and we're bringing to you one of our favorite series that we did a couple years ago. What you're going to be listening to now is going to be a recording we did a couple years ago about the resolutions of Jonathan Edwards. When we did it, we thought it was incredibly edifying, and we hope that you find value in it today. Thanks for listening. Hello, Internets. Welcome to episode 55. I am Andrew Wynn, and with me, as always, is Mike Freeman. Good morning, Andrew. Hello, sir. Hey, man. You uh, you came to youth group last night. I did. Yeah. What'd you uh, What'd you think of that? You know, there's uh, there's some cool things happening at youth group. I I actually I love youth ministry. I, yeah. I'm really jazzed to come. I I wish I could come more often, but uh, it's kind of like that. Uh, I try not to like be in my kids' space. Like mm-hmm. that's you know that's a place for them to come and kind of explore faith on their own without dad, the pastor, always over everything. Although you know I like being there and they like me there. Um. But I thought it was awesome. You you guys had some great games. The kids, all the kids there were having a great time. It was fun watching you teach and, uh, you know, come, well, cl- you. come close to being accurate. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> You know, no. I try. <laughs> you, no, it, you did a really good job. And uh, it was really fun watching that. And, um, and yeah, I, you you let me pray for the kids. That was really cool. And then at the end... You uh, brought me in for a conversation about some work that God's doing in a kid's life that yeah. was really amazing to see. You know, it, I, I really think it's healthy because it's it's interesting. Our Wednesday nights right now, uh, since we're just talking, are, they're really geared um, nowadays to just outreach. We have so many neighborhood kids who have just kind of wandered their way in. And right now, especially with everything happening, people are just hungry for community. And so not every, like actually a large part portion that you saw, like a large portion of this youth group, they don't attend like services on, on the weekend and stuff. So I think having them connect with more people from the church, I think it starts to build those bridges and, and, the, and fill in those gaps. And I, I really hope that they get more connected because actually uh, one, of the things, one of the cool things that happened last night is that one of the students, uh, they came forward for baptism. And it was so cool because we, we recently have – we did our baptism service at the beginning of January – and in, in that, because it's fresh in our minds right now, we're, we're you know making sure that people know that baptism isn't isn't what saves you, that it's it's symbolic, but also like having that conversation of repentance, like a lifestyle of repentance that reflects you know truly living for Christ and stuff. Man, we were just a lot more prepared to uh, have those conversations, and it was so cool hearing the student before I even asked some questions. They just gushed their story about what Christ is doing in their life and what they're doing and, and how God is changing them and how they're, they're, they're fighting forward to, uh, to be faithful, to learn, to repent, to turn away from, from sin and turning to Christ. And it was so cool to listen to this and then not have to coach it, but just it's, it's just coming out. So with you being there, man, it was cool just to share that with all the other leaders and things. So I, I don't know. We, we jumped into this, but like it's, Youth ministry has been super cool lately. 
I take that. I listen to that. You, you've done, and us together, but you've done some work in talking through theology of baptism. You've been doing a lot of work in talking through theology of what is the gospel? What does it mean to believe? What does it mean to live? Mm-hmm. And I just see that as, as kind of some of the fruit of the work God's doing through you and through the youth ministry and in the other leaders as you guys are, you're not watering down things. You're not cutting corners. You're saying this is, this is what it really is. And it's exciting and it's good what it is. And now you have a kid that I think they're, this this kid's set up for success more than maybe they would have been without some of that that plow yeah. work. And it's just really well, cool thanks. to see that that work come to fruition. You know, I, I think that's a great observation. You know, I, you and I have had this conversation in the last few days, maybe the last few weeks, but like I, I, I seem to be running into more and more people, especially because I guess this world right now is so blur, blurry and it's there's so many so much uncertainty that there are more and more people who are craving clear, concise boundaries, I guess, or biblical truth and understanding, like, even if it's hard truth, they want something solid to build their life on. And even if it's a large pill to swallow, that even if they get offended or something at the the very beginning, after sitting on it for a while, I think people are saying, like, you know what, this is true. This is what the Bible teaches. And this is what I want to do in response to that. And uh, it's, I am, I right now, I'm actually really encouraged by what God is doing in just our city and in the communities that you and I are plugged into as people are trying to get away from, uh, um, I guess, blurry lines. I, I, guess. I, would, I would even say false ideologies, right? Okay. Because all yeah. these false ideologies that our culture is selling to us, this is not our topic, but it's not. Yeah. <clears throat> when we talk about, you know, um, critical race theory is actually the term that I, I, I've actually been wondering if pe- the people in our church are familiar with that term, I don't but, think so. but it's impacting yeah. their lives because mm-hmm. this is how we're thinking more and more. The idea of intersectionality and, and you know, your value mm-hmm. or your voice should be elevated to the number of intersections of uh, oppression you've experienced and your voice should be lowered based on the limited amount of oppression you've experienced. That's kind of, uh, I guess, a, a very quick understanding of intersectionality and, and critical race theory in terms of groups of people. And saying groups of people have more of a voice now because of the oppression they've experienced. A lot of that stuff is built on these ideologies that are, they're disconnected from the scripture. They're not based on the Imago Dei. Mm -hmm. They don't have a full picture understanding of of who Christ is. They focus more on skin color Mm -hmm. or life experience than on Christ. And so I guess where where I'm going with this is I, I think that when you grab onto those things and you find that they're empty... And they don't bring you the meaning and they don't bring you the hope and they don't bring you the answers. But then you turn and you find the gospel really does. And you find that the, the scripture really is, it's what you're looking for. I think there's just so much joy in discovering the power of God's word. Yeah. And, I, and you know, we even talked about that last night with youth ministry as how, like there are so many people in within the United States, uh, quoting George Barna's 2017 Study that like there are so many people still that claim Christ claim claim a God a belief in a God, but yet there are it is a fractional it is a fractional amount of people within that category that understand and, they, and that know the gospel. So they have I would claim it a dead faith. It is, it is a faith that is built on false ideologies or lies or misconceptions, and that's why they don't they don't have something solid to stand on. That's why life feels so confusing and frustrating at times. And yet the very thing that we need, the clear, concise teachings of, of God's word, we, we tend to, because we're easily offended by it, we tend to, we tend to walk away from, it. but I, again, I, I, I'm, 
after a couple years of people saying like, well, this is too much for me. I, I don't want to listen to this. And yet now we're meeting people who are hungry for what the Bible truly teaches. I think that is, that has been encouraging and I am excited to see what happens for us in the future. Actually, with with that, actually, one of the reasons why I'm really excited about our uh, our faith life stuff that we've been working on as as a church, um, we have a lot of people who are hungry to learn to how to 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 study the word, to engage in biblical teaching, and now as we have been as a church, we've been stepping into the resources that we have now through uh, faithlife.com. We uh, I am excited to see our discipleship, the the our biblical literacy increase as time goes on. Yeah. As you were talking, I, I just grabbed Psalm 1, and I think that a lot of this layers right into the Psalm 1. Oh, yeah. Because you think about you know these, these false ideologies that capture your attention, and you find out that they actually don't lead to anything good or anything full of hope or joy or peace. And then you think about faith life and, and how we're trying to resource people mm-hmm. with Faith Life TV and with Logos and actually able to dig into the Word of God. And then you just read Psalm 1. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked— nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. And then he gives an illustration. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish. And, uh, you know, this Psalm, it's the two ways of life, the ways of blessing based on the word of God and the truth that comes out of it, or or the ways of perishing based off of the the counsel and the, the, uh, the ways and the, the seed of those who, who don't hold to the truth of God's word, you know? Um, I I guess I I bring that up because I think we, as a people were learning to delight in the law of the Lord more and more. And we're trying to help our church meditate on it more and more. And that's such a beautiful thing. Cause like in that, in that Psalm, we talk about, you know, people who, who sit with mockers and schemers and, and liars on, they get blown away like chaff. Even, uh, as Ephesians talks about, man, or Galatians, we study God's law so that we're not blown to and fro, to uh, washed away with, with the doctrines of this world. Yeah. You know, it, it feels like now if you follow the uh, the lines of morality of this world, one day it's this is what we're saying is right or wrong, and then the next day this is what we're saying is right or wrong. It just changes. You're just being blown. You're being tossed about, and yet God's law stands, yeah. and that's that is the guiding force for for blessing. Man, I, that, again, that makes me excited for the resources that we have now. I, I hope that as as a church for our church that's listening right now, as we move forward, um, I hope that we can get these to you as soon as we can and equip you to be able to access like such great, solid teaching, not teaching as in just, it's not just, Hey, let's just download this information to you, but we're going to, there's opportunities here for people to learn hermeneutics or like Bible study methods. We're, we're going to use it to, in ways that will help people start yeah. wherever they are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so that imagery of uh, a ship tossed to and fro by the waves, uh, James, I think is James one, right? That's that we want to help people not to be that. Right. We we want you to be solid. We want to help you. Jesus's imagery is to build build your life on the rock, which is obeying the word of God. So 
A lot of good stuff happening. I think we got a little derailed right there. We did. Uh, we did. It's, should it's we jump into resolutions? We should. Uh, so, Mike, we man, for the last almost six weeks now or so, we've been talking about the resolutions of Jonathan Edwards. One of the reasons why we started doing this is at the beginning of the new year, we started looking at the idea of just resolve. Not res- resolutions like New Year's resolutions, but really intentional processes to just reflect on the characters uh, of who this man, Jonathan Edwards was and how we can learn from him to be a little more intentional about what God is doing in our lives and how we can live in a way that honors the scriptures and our God. Yeah. What I would say is we're looking, we're glancing at Jonathan Edwards and looking past him to the scripture. And, you know, he's given us a view of how to live in light of the scripture. And so what we're encouraging people is, is to live lives of conviction and live lives of resolve, having these resolutions that are not, Hey, I'm going to stop doing this, you know, uh, you know, for a few months, or I'm going to do this, I'm going to go to the gym, but these are resolutions that govern your life That's right. based on the scripture. And so last week we, we talked about some of his resolutions of character, and we're going to continue that this week and next week, looking each week at resolutions of character. In particular, this week, we're going to look at some of the character as it's as it's manifest out externally. Yeah. As Last week see. was internal. That's right. And this week we're starting external, what people actually see. Okay. <clears throat> and, and I wanted to start this conversation hearkening back to Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit, right? And, and the reason I wanted to do this is we... This last year, we did a series on the fruit of the Spirit. And the series was meant to... We actually called it from from root to fruit. It was meant to get us to not just simply think about: Am I loving? Am I joyful? Am I patient? Am I peaceful? Am I you know? Am I gentle? Am I self controlled? But actually, we wanted to look inside and say: Am I trusting the gospel in a way that my hope is in Christ, and that is producing in me a, a character that externally is seen by others? That, that's what we we really right. base that entire series off of, right? And so. Today, as we look at these external resolutions, these ways that your life should look externally, Andrew, we're not telling someone, hey, you should do this better. Right, right. That, that misses the point. What are we telling people? Man, we're telling people that like, especially with, with root to fruit, we, when you recognize that these, these attributes are not present in your life, this isn't about you pulling up your bootstraps and saying, okay, I need to be more honest, or I need to be more loving, or I need to be more faithful. But it's, it's actually... Take a moment to recognize like, there, there's, there's, a, there's a sense of disbelief. There's something in your heart that needs to be addressed, which gives you the opportunity to, to seek through your heart by, by the power of the Holy Spirit and through the light of his scripture, and then to turn in repentance to allow God to bring that manifestation of that fruit in your life. So please don't hear these things and think like, you know what, you're right. I, you know, uh, one of the resolutions is to have a good attitude and be like, I need to try really hard to have a, a, a good attitude. It's, this isn't about you trying harder. This is, this is about God working in you and just you submitting to that opportunity of repentance. Yeah. And, and it boils down to what do you believe about God? Cause I think a good attitude, if you believe that God is in control when life is a mess, if you believe that God loves you enough that he's forgiven your sin, if you believe that God is faithful to keep his promises to you and to see you through no matter what happens in life. If you believe that you are made in his image and you have dignity and you have worth, if you believe all these things, you know what, you know what grows out of that is a good attitude. But if you believe that God's distant, if you believe that God doesn't care, if you believe that God is weak, if you believe that, that God doesn't give 
humanity, uh, dignity and worth and value as it's his, you know, it's, it's highest form of his creation. Mm -hmm. Well, it's pretty easy to have a bad attitude. Yeah. It's pretty easy to be not just glass, glass, half empty, but glass doesn't matter. You're right. Right. And so be nihilistic. Yeah. It was really, we were rooting this in what we believe about God impacts our character, especially how others see us. And so that's, that's the journey we're going to go on. And so let's start with, um, Let's start with this first one on our list today, and this is going to be Resolution 21. And just like last week, we have what Edwards wrote, and then we have my kind of uh, 21st century just shorthand summary. Like a paraphrase of it, yeah, yeah. For, for modern-day audiences. Yeah, and yeah. so what, what, why don't you read Resolution 21, and then I'll talk about the paraphrase. Okay, so uh, Jonathan Edwards wrote, Resolved, never to do anything, which if I should, f- should see in another, I should count a just occasion to despise him for or to think any way the more meanly of him that, that was wordy yeah. i kind of enjoy having you read these <laughs> <laughs> i i have not read these i don't like that yeah i haven't read these to begin with so that was me first time attempting yeah <laughs> uh so what is he saying he, here's my here's my paraphrase yeah resolved not to live with a double standard, right? He's basically saying, I'm not going to do anything, but if I saw someone else doing it, I would despise them. Mm-hmm. And I would think what, what, what a sinner, right? Yep. Cause that is living with a double standard. It is. The Bible actually has a word for this. It's the word hypocrite. Yes, man. Our culture loves that word. Doesn't they? It sure does. You're a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. Yeah. Well, I think that word hypocrite is an important word. You know what I appreciate about this though, is this is, this is Jonathan Edwards ability to think of his life from a third person perspective, right? Because typically when you live your life, you live, you are the main character of your life. And so you see everything from your perspective. But I like that he's taking the time to say like, you know what? If, if I was watching myself do these things, I would call this person out. So this is ability to kind of remove himself from that first person perspective, but to really see his actions from the third person. That's right. That's, that's amazing. It's a self-awareness. Yeah. Right. It's a disengaging from the moment and looking at a big picture and saying, what's really going on here? And, and who am I really? And, mm-hmm. and we, we can be pretty, pretty terrible at self-awareness and pretty terrible at, at self, like internal inspection. And this yeah. is, this is just doing that work to say, what am I looking like? Am I, am I being a hypocrite? You know, Psalm 26, four says, I do not sit with men of falsehood, nor do I consort with hypocrites. It's like, this is, I mean, this is one of the, the biggest accusations in the Bible. You, you don't want to be a hypocrite. And then in modern day world, most of us are. Yeah. And and I think we, we've got to kind of have this balance as we think about it. Because we don't want to be a hypocrite that says, hey, you shouldn't burn down houses and then we go do that. We don't want to be that kind of that level of a hypocrite. But the reality is I don't live a perfect Christian life. Mm-hmm. I stumble and I fall. And so this isn't saying that I'm going to live in such a way that I'm absolutely perfect and never mess up. This goes back to some of the earlier resolutions about repentance. Yeah. But it is saying I know what the standard is. I'm going to do everything I can to live that way. And when I don't, well, we, we have an advocate. We have Jesus right. Christ who intercedes on our behalf and is the propitiation, the, the, the one who he took on the wrath of God for our sin, you know? And so this is, I guess, how we have to remember to view this kind of resolution. It, you know, that is interesting because you can look at this as a double standard as in like, I'm trying to be better. I'm trying to be holier. Or the other side of that is you are worse than I am. And really, like, actually, we were just speaking through James the other, or actually Romans the other night uh, for our life group and talking about how because of the gospel, we're all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat. And so to, to one way you could be hypocritical is not to extend grace or to give others the benefit of the doubt. And 
so it's more than just like seeing, seeing yourself like, well, I'm just going to try really hard to be a better person. One way you're a hypocrite is by not extending the opportunity for others to continue to grow as well. So that's cool. I, I like that he recognizes, like, or at least this conversation is today, that double standards could be either aisle of uh, morality. That's right. So that's, that's 21. And then, you know, that's, that's external. People can tell you if you're doing that, right? They can see that. And then the, the next one, 47, and I'll do the heavy lifting okay. here. I'll, uh, I'll show a little grace and mercy. I won't have a double standard, right? Uh, <laughs> he says, 47, resolved to endeavor to my utmost to deny whatever is not most agreeable to a good and universally sweet and benevolent, quiet, peaceable, contented and easy, compassionate and generous, humble and meek, submissive and obliging, diligent and industrious. I need a breath. Hold on a second. (laughs) Charitable and even patient, moderate, forgiving and sincere temper. And to do at all times what such a temper would lead me to and to examine strictly at the end of every week, whether I have done. So all of this is what he's saying is I am going to have a, I'm going to, have a good temper. Mm-hmm. All of these words that he used, all of these describing words, they all modify that one word temper. He says, I'm going to have a good temper. Yeah. What we said here is our, as our paraphrase is uh, resolved to maintain a good attitude. Yeah. And that is such a big thing. Honestly, you know, when you grow up and like, coaches will tell you like attitude is everything and all that. That's true. That is true. But right here in his, in his actual resolution, what I love is that he says, and to examine strictly at the end of every week, whether I have done so. You know, I, I, I think you and I can, I can see in your life, like I think we try, to have, we try to maintain good attitudes. But I also like to reflect. And there are times in my life where I, I need to look back and be like, did I handle a situation the best way possible? I, I honestly like that's a challenge to me to do that more, a little more regularly. I like that he tries to do this every week. Man, I, I I can't begin to tell you how many times, especially in leadership, especially when I was younger, I just would bully my way into getting my way done because I knew better biblically compared to others. But just because I knew something doesn't mean I handled it the best way possible, and my attitude really reflected that. And now that I'm older, I, I, I like being able to go back and trying to hone that craft of having a better attitude and reflecting on, like, could I have handled that situation better? Could I have had my attitude be better because of whatever happened? Uh, you know what I love in the moments where God convicts you of your attitude in the middle of it, right? And, and, and or maybe even leading up to a conversation. I, I mean, this, uh, I love being a Christian for this reason. The way of the gospel is a way of humility. He uses words like benevolence and charity. This means that when you are at odds with someone, especially another brother or sister in Christ, oh man, I I love in those conversations when you, when you decide ahead of time to be humble, to be charitable, Mm -hmm. we use the language to assume the best. Mm -hmm. And you go into those moments where you could defend, where you can bully, when you can push around, when you can demand your way. But if you go into those moments and you, you've, decided ahead of time not to, to watch God's spirit work, to bring reconciliation, to bring peace. I mean, I, I'm, I'm really speaking from experience here. I've had these moments where someone has been charitable toward me and I've learned to be charitable toward others where sitting in a room with someone, you begin that conversation at odds and you end in hugs 
and, and with gratitude and with a deeper Christian love. Oh my goodness. There is a wonderful, yeah. wonderful gift of being a believer when you're willing to have this kind of attitude. I had the same thing happen this morning. You know, I shared with you about, you know, Jay and I are lifting. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and we, we started to get it at odds about something and you know, as a dad, well, guess what? I'm the authority mm-hmm. and guess what? I, I can have a little bit of pride in that moment and I can tell him how it is, but, but I, I felt like that welling up in me and I just, you know what? I'm going to make light of this. Um, we can return to this later. We can figure it out. And I'm, I'm just going to have a charitable attitude toward him and, and try to make fun uh, of the situation. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I, I was right. I know I'm right. <laughs> Go on record. But, but in that yeah, moment, you were. we talked about, yeah, it. we talked about, it. <laughs> but in that moment, what was worth more to me than being right was to, to develop that and deepen that relationship with him. And we'll come back and and he'll see that I'm right in time and we'll figure that all out. But I got him smiling and, and we are able to move forward in a way that leads to exactly what he's talking about. A good attitude. It impacted someone else in a very important, vital way. You know what I like about your story is this is a different topic, but like, I think sometimes we get so caught up on being right or having your way that you may be right in that moment, but what you what you'll lose is the ability to speak into this person in the long term over the course of time. And I, I mean, I've experienced that so many times that like sometimes it's not about losing a fight, but it's about uh, just being patient and finding those opportunities to well, just checking your attitude. And you know what? I'm in it with a long haul, and we'll just keep, we'll revisit this as time goes on. But it's interesting that you say that about or you share your story because I actually just had the same thing happen just yesterday. I came into the office and I told you that um, I, I had a poor attitude. We have we have a new staff member and he and I we actually don't have a disagreement, but he brought something to my attention that I have been putting I put together like a year ago that he's thinking about changing, and immediately that struck my ego, that hit my my pride, and I I felt really defensive about that. He, it's interesting because I, I sat on it for about a day and then in, when I was laying in bed that night, I thought to myself, I am not handling this well. I feel like I can feel my pride being attacked. I feel like I'm personally attacked and that's not what he's doing. So the next morning, so yesterday morning, I, I called him up. We, I wanted a video chat, just like I called him up and I just, I just told him, I confessed. I was like, Hey man, I know you weren't intending to do this, but just so you know, this is how I received it. And I'm realizing that's not at all how I should have received it. And I just want to be honest about that. I want to repent of this. And I just want to clear the air between us. And he was like, I had no clue that was happening. I'm like, yeah, that's cool that you didn't. I, I just want us to be, I don't want, I don't want anything between us because we're partners in this. And let's just move forward. And honestly, like, I think it's those moments that it, it built a strong relationship. It continues to build a strong relationship between the two of us. And that's attitude. I think it, it makes me love being part of a Christian community, being part yeah. of the church, because the more of us that live this way, that, that kill our pride, that, that don't try to like maintain, like I got to be right. Mm-hmm. And there, it, there's times when I will maintain that and I'll mess up. Right. Mm-hmm. But the more we as a community foster this, this generosity and this charity, this repentant attitude, this forgiving attitude. Oh, it is a beautiful thing, right? It is. And, and so my go-to counseling versus Ephesians chapter four, verse 32, I, I use it all the time whenever I'm working with just about anyone, but, uh, backing up to verse 31, Here's what it says. It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice. These are all of these negative attitudes, all of these negative emotions that we carry. Instead, it says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, 
forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. I, I just this is such an incredible verse because it lays out the kind of attitude that I think Edwards is reflecting in, in this in this you know resolution. He says, I'm gonna be kind. I'm going to be tenderhearted. I'm going to be compassionate. I'm going to care about what other people are, what they're experiencing. And and then I'm going to forgive when someone does me wrong. If we all made that our banner verse for every relationship we have, the church would be it. It would be incredible place to be around. So cool. We we would be what we're supposed to be. The church is meant to be the most loving, forgiving, gracious place on the face of the earth. The more we, we grab onto this kind of attitude, the more we become that. So, that's uh that's resolution number twenty or forty seven. Yep. Yep. Let's jump on to fifty four. All right. You want me to read that? Go for it. Yeah. Fifty four. Resolved. Whenever I hear anything spoken spoken in commendation of any person, if I think it would be praiseworthy in me, that I will endeavor to imitate it. Yeah. If I hear someone talking about someone else in a way that is it's accommodating them, right? It's accommodating them. It's What's the word? Praising them. Yeah. 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 It's a commendation. Yeah. He says, I I want some of that. Yeah. This is not in a selfish way. This is rather the the way I I summarized it. Resolved to imitate the good that I see in others. To imitate the good I see in others. So go ahead. You Uh, you got a thought. Yeah. What I love about that is that it it demonstrates to me that Jonathan Edwards took the position of a learner and not an expert. I think in life, when you position yourself as I know everything and you see that someone else is doing good, then you say, well, how come I'm not recognized for X, Y, or Z? But if you position yourself to learn from others and when you see that others are doing well, like the, 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 the summary you wrote is resolved to imitate the good I see in others. You know, if I see someone who's being a really good dad, I could say to myself, well, what is this guy doing? to be such a good dad that I can learn from, I can adopt for myself. When I see someone who is running a business really well or like being really productive, I can say, well, what is this person doing? What can I learn from this person so that I can imitate that? That's, to me, that is a core value that I have because if you position yourself as I am the expert, I I am a good dad. Well, this guy, this guy doesn't deserve anything. I'm, I I should be the one who who deserves, or this guy's making all this money with his business, but I'm the expert. I'm the one who should be seeing all the success and all that. That, that kind of breeds a bitter life, you know? Uh, that was the thought I had. Yeah. And, and not only to do this, I think you have to be humble. Yes. Right. So, it, you know, if I see you doing something well, man, help, help me understand how to do that. Right. And you can look at me at that moment and say, well, you don't know how to do that. And I might say, no, I don't. Wait, you're not the expert? No. Right. Th- this recognizes that none of us has a corner on everything. Right. Like we all can learn from one another. Again, this goes back. I mean, this is not a podcast on the beauty of being the church, but it could be Yeah, because we're talking about attitude and relationship and, and our character being formed. And it's always formed in community mm-hmm. in the way we treat each other, the way we learn from each other. And that's just, that's him. It really, this is him quoting from, from first Corinthians 11, one be imitators of me as I am of Christ. The apostle Paul wrote this. What an arrogant thing to say, Hey, you should do what I do. Well, you should do what I do to the level that I'm following Christ. Right. And Edward says, well, I'm going to look around other people. I'm going to see, hey, Andrew, he, I see him being really a, a caring servant in these situations. I'm going to imitate Andrew in those moments because I see Christ in Andrew, right? So resolved to imitate the good that I see in others. Yeah. This gets us to the next one and I'll, I'll read the, uh, the, the, link, the wordy one. Okay. Re- Resolution 27, resolved, never willfully to admit anything except the omission be 
for the glory of God and frequently to examine my omissions. So an omission is when you don't say something. When you withhold information. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'd say his resolution here is resolved never to tell a half truth. That is challenging. Yeah. Why do you say that? I, I think there are times when, you know, when you, you work with people sometimes and you, you get in an argument with someone and someone's like, well, I'm going to do this. And you think to yourself, well, you, you really shouldn't. You really shouldn't. And there are times in my own heart, I'm like, well, I'm just going to let you learn it the hard way then. And I withhold information because I'm like, you're just going to fall on your face because you're not going to listen to uh, what I have to say. That, that's challenging to me. That feels like I should be always coaching and always like, like warning people of, of certain things uh, or, or it also speaks to the, uh, I was, I would use the word sinister, but maybe that's too strong, but maybe it is. it's, it's, it's the sinful part of my own heart that sometimes like the, the, the sin in me likes to see someone fail. So I withhold information. It's kind of like, uh, when you're a kid and you're playing video games with another person and you just want to hold the advantage the whole time. So you tell them how to play the game. But you don't tell them like the tips and tricks that they could use to succeed in whatever it is that you're doing. Uh, some advantages, like even even now when I when I work out with other people, uh, I, sometimes I work out with the kids, and we'll write down the workout that we're about to do together. And because I'm the adult and they're the kids, I like to just dominate. Right? I, my, I put my scores, and the kids are like, "Oh man!" But what they don't know is, even though they know how to do the movements, I come in with a strategy. And normally, if I was coaching them, I would tell them, "This is how you should approach this." But now I'm like, I'm going to omit that information so I can use that strategy so I can, I can overcome this. Yeah. It's, it's pride is what yeah. it is. It's pride. So, yeah, I think, you know, I think I see you not omitting things though too, right? With this whole conversation you mentioned earlier about some pride in your heart. Yeah. You could have just tucked that away and said, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. Yet you chose not to leave that off the table. You chose to bring that on the table and make sure relationship actually was even strengthened because of it. Right. Yeah. Now, he does give himself an exception here. He, he says, uh, if the omission be for the glory of God, right? Okay, so yeah, yeah. I think, you know, you can say, hey, this person is doing something and I'm not going to just crush them. You're right. Maybe they're trying really hard and I can just, I can say the truth, just the unvarnished truth in a way that, you know, I'm telling the whole truth and I'm not omitting every, anything, but I'm actually really discouraging or crushing a person. And so I think there's a balance there yeah. in how we approach things and, and recognizing that there's some grace in that. I, th I think you're right because I think, you know, I guess looking at a different angle is uh, sometimes you can tell the entire truth with the purpose of crushing someone. You're not trying to edify or to glorify God in it. You're just trying to win an argument. Yeah. And so, uh, and I, I've been there too. So, All right. Well, uh, we got two more for today. Let, let's jump on this one. You were kind of excited about this one. Resolution 39, it says, resolved never to do anything of which... I so much question the lawfulness as that I intend at the same time to consider and examine afterwards whether it be lawful or not, unless, unless I as much question the lawfulness of the omission. Okay. So the, that's a tongue twister almost. Right. So the, the, the paraphrase is never to do anything that I doubt is lawful. Correct. Right. Uh, I'm not a bandit or anything. I, but the reason why I was excited about this, or just, just uh, it piqued my interest, is that we live in a world... That is that evolves so fast with technology and opportunities and things that sometimes you're like, I have an opportunity. Like you actually, you brought up the example of uh, CD burners back mm -hmm. in like the late late nineties, early two thousands. Man, I do, do you remember Napster yeah. and like LimeWire and Morpheus and all yeah. that stuff, dude? Before that became an issue, 
right before then, I, like, I was. I was burning CDs for people and maybe charging money. Oh, we won't talk about that, but, but just doing all these things. And then it became a law. But then, like, as technology progresses, you, you start to find loopholes. You start to find ways that you can technically not break a law and things. And um, I, I was... I wasn't excited. I was more like I was challenged by the notion that like, man, that's something that I need to be aware of even today because constantly there are so many things that are happening right now that we can work around. Uh, I, I think about the 3D printing uh, industry right now. We have the opportunity to 3D print things that you shouldn't have, honestly. Uh, we have opportunities to – with information technology, you have, you have opportunities to, to take people's information and to do things. Obviously, this is all unlawful. But there's always ways to skirt around it and to say, like, well, technically, I'm not breaking a law by doing whatever. And that, um, that makes me want to reflect a little bit more, like, what is the intent in my heart when, I, when I'm looking at these opportunities that yeah. I see? Yeah. And I think that this gets down to the spirit of the law and the letter of the law. Mm -hmm. You know, you can say, well, technically, I didn't break the law. Well, I think we need to sometimes back up a little bit and say, well, what is the spirit of the law? Well, the spirit of the law actually is reflected in the series we're in right now mm -hmm. in the Ten Commandments. Right. And so I think about those late nineties and my friend with the CD burner and all I had to do was buy the, uh, the discs and, yeah. you know, and, and you know, that, that was kind of cool, but you know what the 10 commandments say you shall not steal. Right. And so technically at that time, I, 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 you know, technically it wasn't illegal, but yeah. based on the spirit of God's law, I, w I was stealing. Right. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so I actually, ha I remember that so vividly because I had a non-believer See, you know, they, they heard me in a conversation with someone said, they said, well, I thought you were a Christian. Yeah. And you know, the irony, I was burning a Christian CD, right? Like mm -hmm. I, I didn't repent even in that moment. Like it humbled me like, oh man, I, I I'm not thinking deeply about this. Yeah. And I am, I, I had to change my, my behavior mm -hmm. because well, technically I was in the right, but, but really before God, what was I doing? Yeah. Right. And so yeah. I think this is his heart here is to say, I don't want to get in a spot where I'm on you know, like sh you know, I'm shading the truth or I'm, mm -hmm. I'm kind of bending the law and, and for my own benefit, I, you know, and as believers, this means, you know, we, we would rather, uh, bend ourselves for the sake of others, you know? And right. So, it, it, interesting topic, especially it, it, today. It is an interesting topic. Yeah. There's just, it, it was, it, we were talking about music. It's interesting to me that back then you couldn't do that, but now we have like streaming services and all these other, and anyway, that's a, that's a different topic, but yeah, I thought that was fascinating. Well, let's, let's do one more and then we'll call it a, call it a day for now. The last one, resolution 20, why don't you go ahead and read that one? Yeah. Uh, 20 resolved to maintain the strictest temperance in eating and drinking. Yeah. So the paraphrase resolved to consume in moderation, <laughs> right? This is the idea of, um, to, to not allow things like gluttony and drink and, and all that to rule your life. In fact, a friend of ours, pastors in Oregon, and he actually did an entire series on the topic of gluttony. Oh, really? Yeah, because okay. the, the idea of gluttony is, you know, oftentimes we see gluttony as I'm just going to eat as much as I can, but it's actually more than that. Gluttony can be, I'm going to eat only the best of the best. Okay. Gluttony can be this idea that I, you know, I, I have a certain standard and, you know, like I'm becoming very particular and what you're ended up doing in those moments is you're, you're saying, well, I, I'm, I'm. I have an idol, mm -hmm. which is what I eat. That is interesting because we live in a culture that we love foodies, right? People who have such huge high standards when it comes to their sushi or their whatever, which is not bad to have these standards, right? But we're, I think we're saying like they only adhere to yeah. 
like the and you get best, to the spot best. where you're a, a sushi snob or a coffee snob. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. A connoisseur about these things, mm-hmm. which again, drink um, good coffee, right? Yeah. Like have good food, but but you get to the spot where that it's you, an idol. In, yeah. in your standard of living and your your happiness in life is based on these things. It actually thinking about it, it reminded me of Philippians chapter three, eighteen through twenty. You want you want to read that text? Yeah, it says for many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is the, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and their glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizen, but our citizenship is in heaven and from it, we wait a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. No, I, I include this verses. It's a kind of intense passage. Paul's writing here, he's saying, I'm going to tell you something with tears in my eyes. I have seen people chase after worldly things mm-hmm. and, and leave Christ behind. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm writing this. I am, I'm crying as I do. I'm thinking through faces. I, honestly, Andrew, I, I think about people in my life mm-hmm. that I know that they've allowed their, their God to become their belly. They've allowed pleasure and the things of this world that this world offers these lowly things to become all important. And it, it doesn't start with there. It starts with, Oh, I'm interested in this. And then it starts with, well, I'm going to, I'm going to neglect the spiritual things a little bit so I can pursue these things of this earth. And it begins in time to become that snowball that rolls over their life. And, and so Paul says, it says with their minds set on earthly things, I think, Edwards in his resolution here, he's saying, I'm going to avoid having my mind set on, you know, earthly things of the stomach, right? Yeah. Why? Because our citizenship is in heaven. That's right. We have the feast of God waiting for us where we will forever enjoy him and be part of his table. Like there, there's, there's something so much better than the, the greatest sushi and the greatest cup of coffee waiting mm-hmm. for us. Yeah. Now we can enjoy the things of earth, but... But is that our God? And I think that's the point he's that's making. That's the question. Here. Yeah, because I think uh, I, I think about some athletes I follow, and they write things like, you know, you you eat to live, you don't live to eat. Mm. You know, and and because we we do, we live in a culture where the f- the food industry has Frankenstein such tasty morsels and, and and addictive foods that we it, it'd be easy to just be to overeat to to glorify food in a way that's unhealthy for people. And I, I like that he's mindful of it. Mm-hmm. This whole thing, this whole thing is about just being intentional and just really grabbing a hold of every aspect of life and just deeply thinking through and living in a way that, that you're conscious of it. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty cool. And so all of these resolutions, these external resolutions, they, they remind us of really the greater promise we have waiting for us in the gospel. Yes. Because of Jesus and his death and resurrection, we act a certain way here on earth. We live a certain way here on earth because we have this blessed hope, this living hope in Christ Jesus that we have eternity with him. I can't help with this last resolution. And it, like I guess as we conclude to think about Edmund when he enters into Narnia for the first time. Yes. And, um, Actually, I was talking with a young man yesterday, and he had never read any of the Narnia series. Really? I, I encourage you, if you've never read them, they're they are a quick read. They're a wonderful read. I, I read through them pretty, pretty regularly, right? Because there's so many great illustrations in them. But uh, Edmund, when he enters into Narnia, he meets the White Queen, mm-hmm. th- this, this ice queen, and she gives him... Turkish delight. Turkish delight. Yeah. This, this something for his stomach. Mm-hmm. But what we find out is, is the gifts of this, this evil queen, they never satisfy. Mm-hmm. To live for your belly... To live for your ego, to live for your pride, to live for your you know pleasure, to live for your lust, 
no matter how much you get, it never actually satisfies. And yet the gospel of Jesus, it satisfies. Jesus giving himself to us, remembering that what we need, we have in Christ, that brings us real hope. It brings us real joy. It brings us real peace more than anything else this world can offer. And so I just, I guess I conclude by saying the reason behind all of this, all of these external characteristics is not so that you can be better. It's because Christ was perfect. He laid down his life and he's given it to you. And through his resurrection, you have, you have eternal life waiting for you yeah. full of joy. Yeah. All right. Well, Mike, that concludes our, uh, our podcast for today. Um, you know, we like to end in prayer. So Mike, would you please pray for our listeners and pray for, for our church? Heavenly Father, I pray for our listeners right now, everyone that's listening, I just ask that you, by your spirit, would be working in us, giving us um, the kind of character that displays love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Lord, I pray that that our church in particular valley would become a place that is so full of these traits that the those who are lost and those who are longing for love and for care they would be um, they would be magnetized toward this place of worship where they can find who you are and how amazing you are god i pray that you would help us to repent as we talk about all of these different resolutions if there's anything that maybe was the, the pinprick in our heart of a place in our life where we're not living in light of your scripture and your word. I pray that you would allow us not to bury that or to hide it, but instead to bring it before you, knowing that you give us mercy and grace and forgiveness. And now we can live in confidence that that we have been made whole and made new in you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.